What's up, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Scoop Rewind podcast brought to you by PPG alongside Sam Kassan of Penn's Inside Scoop. I'm Josh Getzoff, and we continue our theme of looking back at the 2016 Stanley Cup championship team. And with that, a guest from way across the pond, all the way out in Europe, taking the time with us. It's Tom Kunakel, uh, now the New York Islanders, of course, with the Penguins in 2016 and 2017. Uh, Cooney, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me, guys. Great to yeah, have you. Really on. good. Yeah, m- much appreciated. Obviously, I know uh, the time difference and everything. You uh, taking the time to work with us, but looking back, I actually want to start way back. So I want to go way back to 2015, the start of the year. Um, you were in Wilkesbury, obviously, with a couple of Wilkesbury scrum with a couple of the other guys, and that was when Mike Sullivan became the head coach. That was his first year. I was actually curious, what was your first impression of him then? Because obviously, he would become your head coach in Pittsburgh, but you got a, a taste of uh, Mike Sullivan before the rest of the Pittsburgh got a real taste of him in Wilkesbury. I wonder what your first uh, thoughts were when he came into the room and took over as head coach. Yeah, um, first first couple of days, you look like a really mean, strict guy, but, um, <laughs> you know. Um, when you get to know him and then you spend practice with him, you know, everything he does, you know, he's, he's trying to get, make the team better, make you, make you as a player better. So, you know, after, after a couple of weeks, everybody felt really comfortable around him and was uh, happy to play for him. And he got, he kind of brought that speed element and playing fast, playing on your toes. You know, was that something you guys quickly adapted to? Cause it was kind of a change of pace from the way things kind of were before. Yeah, it was a little different with, uh, with Heinze, but you know, as soon as he came in, he kind of, changed the philosophy of the whole team and, and uh, you know like I said it took a couple of weeks but after a while everybody felt really comfortable with the whole system and with the uh, with the uh, change to more like a, a speed game than, than we were used to before. You've had the opportunity now to go into another organization in the Islanders but obviously grew up in the Penguins organization what was it like when you when you look back at the fact that so many of those guys that you you know played in Wilkes-Barre with got recalled with that year in 15-16 ended up becoming such key pieces, not just in that moment, but in the present day also too with them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. If you if you think back, you know, when whenever I got my first call up, uh, I think a couple other guys were already had the chance before me and were up there and, you know, made an impact. And, you know, whenever I got that, that call and, and I got to go and fly to Montreal and meet the team there and play my first game there, it was, uh, you know, it was surreal. I, I couldn't really believe it. And, but like you said, there were so many from, you know, guys from Wilkesbury up there. You know, they made me feel comfortable. It was good that I knew a couple of guys already. So, uh, obviously, that helped a lot uh, during that time up there. And I remember, uh, obviously, I want to walk you through that first game, that first call-up experience, too, because there was a point in your career going way back when you were down in the, you know, the ECHL. I remember talking to you, and you, you mentioned a guy, Billy Garen, really helping you kind of develop and – you know, we talked about there was a point where you thought you may never make it to the NHL, and now you're obviously you're a veteran and a, a KG veteran who's been here for many years and well established. But so it's kind of crazy to think back to that time that you know there was some doubt. So what what was it like finally going all the way and making that trek and getting to the NHL and finally getting a taste? Yeah, I had to I had to really change my game around when when they drafted me and I played in uh, in Windsor and, and Niagara. I was more like an offensive guy, you know. I it's hard to believe, but I actually had a year where I scored 40 goals, and um, you know that those that hands, you know, <laughs> silky <laughs> well, smooth hands. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that made me obviously a successful player. And you know, whenever they signed me, they probably you know expected the same thing. But you know, there's so many talented players in the league that can put up numbers, that can put up goals, and you know, be be a you know factor offensively. And you know, when I got hurt my my first year, and you know, obviously it was frustrating. I couldn't really play. And, I had my shoulder surgery and 
know, I think it was a good time that I got sent down and just, you know, get my confidence back and play there. And that's when Billy G said, you know, if you want to make it, you know, you kind of have to switch your game around and be like one of those dirty players that, you know, wants to do the dirty work, you know, wants to be a penalty killer, wants to block shots, you know, wants to be a grinder and those kind of things. So, you know, it obviously took me a, took me a little bit of time to, to adjust my game, but, you know, um, having Clark Donatelli there as, as a coach and, and Billy G always there watching games because obviously Reeling is not far from, from Pittsburgh. You know, those two guys helped me out a lot during my, my transition. Was there a, I mean, you mentioned Billy G, you mentioned Clark. Like, I feel like that takes a little bit more of a mindset too also to embrace what you said you just did, to, to understand that you're not going to be a 40-goal scorer if you're going to go to the NHL. I mean, how long of a process is that for you to kind of process that internally and realize, okay, here are the changes I have to make in my game? And what did you feel like you had to do specifically to climb the ladder? In um, I obviously needed to work a lot in my, you know, game in my own end playing defensively, you know, being reliable defensively, knowing what to do at both sides of the blue line. Because, you know, back in the days in junior, I didn't really skate all the way back to my zone. I, you know, I was just waiting in neutral zone, waiting for that for that pass, for that breakaway. So, um, you know, that was probably the biggest adjustment for me. And um, switching from a power play guy to a penalty killing guy where, you know, it helps a little bit because you kind of have an idea what they're going to do, what, what plays they're going to try to make. But at the same time, you know, when, when you're in the shot lane, the puck better not get through because, you know, that might be the, the puck that could win or lose you a game. So, um, you know, those were the things that I really had to adjust to. But it almost took me a full season in the East Coast and then another half half to a three-quarter year in the HL as well. It's crazy to think that because now I just synonymously think you as a, a strong defensive player, so good at both ends of the ice, you know. It's crazy to think that you had to adapt to kind of be that oh, the gritty guy. I mean, how many times have you blocked a shot, gotten hurt, gone to the bench, then come back like a minute later and blocked another shot and gotten hurt? I mean, that's like the image burned in my brain of your your style. That that was the little things I had to do when I was in Pittsburgh. You know, whenever we had a you know five on three, four on three, whatever it was, and it was me, Bonino, and Colsey out there. You know, us three, we wanted to make sure you know no pucks are going to get through, and whenever one did get through, we still had Mirror Flower back there to to bail us out. And I want to talk about one game in particular in, uh, during that run into the playoffs because there's, there's three games that always stand out in my mind when you guys really turn things around. One's the New Year's Eve game against Detroit when you came back. Uh, the other is early March against the Rangers whenever you beat Lundqvist, three goals in the span of two and a half minutes when he flipped the net over. Everyone remembers that. <clears throat> but there's also a game where you were the big star in against the Capitals mid-March. So I don't know if you, you recall, it was the Penguins hosted Washington. Uh, and in that game, you had a goal, two assists, and a fight. And uh, the Penguins won the game 6-2. to two. Uh, Braden Holby, who would end up winning 48 games that year, also won the Vezna as the best goaltender, ended up getting pulled and sat on the bench. But you were, had a huge impact on that game. Do you remember that game? Was that the game where Rusty got hit in the corner yes. at the end of the game? Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah I remember. <laughs> so you do remember? I do, Yeah. <laughs> What, uh, what, what do you remember about the game? And, uh, and, and do you feel like that was one of the turning points, too, for the team as well? I got to ask, was that the game where I made that spinner around pass to Rusty? Yep. Yep. <laughs> it was, yeah. So I actually do remember that game because those are the little things. You know, I, don't, I didn't have that many points or goals. <laughs> those are the ones I, I obviously remember. And was that the game I played with Rusty and Kali, I think? And we uh, all three scored one? That I can't remember. Uh, Kali did definitely score one because it – like trickled down uh, Holpe's back and we're like yes. oh, up and hit him in the back and rolled down. I can't remember yeah. if he scored one, but yeah, definitely you and Collie scored one. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously playing Washington was always a huge rivalry and 
whenever you know you as a grinder and uh, can contribute offensively too that's obviously really special and you know i kind of wish i actually had a real fight there at the end to get the Gordy help but <laughs> um, uh, no it was it was a great game not just for me for the whole team you know whenever you beat washington it's uh, it was a special feeling actually my favorite story from that too is because you get in the fight late in the game so they throw you out for the five minutes obviously for fighting you yeah. keep your gear off and then they made you the number one star so all your, do you remember that? You had all your equipment off, and I remember you hurrying, trying to put all your stuff back on, trying to grab your jersey to get it back on so you could do the uh, the first star twirl on the ice in, in the post game interview. But I remember you you were de dressing, <laughs> thinking that your night was over. And uh, I already had my shoulder pads and my elbow pads off, but they wanted me to throw on my jersey again just to go back out there. So I did that. <laughs> Is that the only Gordy Howe hat trick you had in your career so far? I don't think I'm going to add any more to that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, hey, uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, I was just looking it up today before we talked, and then we can kind of jump into the playoff stuff, but way before the, the Washington game, you scored your first NHL goal. Do you remember it, the, just how much of a beauty it was? I mean, a little backhand sauce on the uh, shorthanded break? Yeah, it was, it was on Bishop. Yep. And the bad thing was it was a 2 on 0 too, kind of. <laughs> I think it was me and Portsy kind of on a 2 on 0 shorthanded, and it was. I don't know. For some reason, that's I decided to take it to the net, and it was just great. What a <laughs> I mean, you look like a forty-goal scorer with the finish there. I guess that's what I'm getting at. That was good. <laughs> that that actually that was a nice goal. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we, two one zero, and you don't even pass, man. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> Portsy gave it to me for a while after that because <laughs> I think it was that year where he got hurt too and and missed the rest of the season. Uh, I know he was uh, the season yeah. was the same game. So he was not happy because he was like, yeah, you could have given me that goal. <laughs> this contract negotiation, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, let's, uh, let's roll into the playoffs uh, for 2016. Obviously, as Sam mentioned, you guys had a couple moments where it seemed like you guys were picking up steam. I know just looking back at the results, 15-5 and five as a team in your last 20 games in the season. So you got, your team was that proverbial team no one wanted to play a hot team coming into the postseason but you still had to kind of slay the demon that was the new york rangers in the first round they beat you the previous two years i know you weren't a part of that uh but you definitely were a part of beating them in 2016 your line in particular uh you guys were, were really impressive a few points for you personally and it just seemed like the depth of the penguins that was the first series obviously the playoffs but it was also the first time i think people truly saw around the league how much of a problem you guys were going to be moving forward. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you didn't want to play the Rangers at that time. You know, they had a really good team. They had tremendous goaltending. And, uh, you know, for us, we had, a, we had a, long, a lot of young kids on our team that played their first NHL game. So, you know, there were a lot of nerves in there. And I think it was game one, too, where uh, Zakov was in net, right? Because Flowers missed game one, yeah. Yeah, missed game one. That's right. <laughs> that's right. He earned, he earned that nickname. <laughs> well, he, gave, he gave the nickname to himself, so yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like I said, we had a lot of young kids that were probably nervous, but, you know, as soon as you get that first shift out of the way, you, you know, throw the body around, get, get involved, and, and you're right back into game mode. And, and I think uh, that game one, I think I, I had a two-on-one with Bones shorthanded, too, and, and I scored, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you had a goal, yeah, yeah. That, that just makes you feel so much better about yourself, about the team, you know, it gives you confidence, you know, and uh, build, just building off that game one, it was just uh, a tremendous feeling for, for everyone, I'm sure. 
then you get uh, Washington, one of the craziest series that I can recall. Particularly that, let's look at the game six. You talk about you doing the penalty kill, particularly the five on three stuff. And in this situation, you get three straight delay games. First of all, have you ever been in a game where there were three delay games in one game, let alone back to back to back? No, never have I ever seen that, and I don't think you'll ever see that. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to try to do that again, and it would still be hard. I don't even think you could do it if you tried. <laughs> I mean, you almost have to stand in awe of, of uh, Ian Cole because he, he flipped the puck from his own zone over the opposing net at the other end. So, I mean, it, it was almost pretty impressive the way he did it, actually. You can't you're, even you're be mad style. at that. Like, if you take a delay of game penalty like that, you can't even be mad at that. <laughs> you just don't expect anyone to do that, you know? Right. So give us, give us some of the mindset, because obviously you're out there, you're on the five on three, and then the five on four as things kind of progress. Like, you've got a one-goal lead. It's game six, so you're looking to eliminate and move on. You've got a one-goal lead. You're trying to hang on. What's the mindset of the penalty killers when you're going out there for that shift? And, and as you see this... Another penalty, another penalty. <laughs> What's the feeling on the bench or even on the ice for you guys? Well, obviously, you do a lot of pre-scouting on, you know, kind of preferred plays they're going to run. And, you know, you're just trying to take those away as good as you can. But, you know, at one point, they obviously have a really good power play. And, you know, never know exactly what you're going to expect. But like I said, whenever you're out there, you just got to make sure you're, you're in the shot lane as good as you can and, and make yourself as big as you can in China and trying to eat that shot. And, you know, whenever you get a chance, get it all the way down. And, you know, get a change, keep everybody fresh out there. Because, like I said, if you get hit once or twice, you know, you're kind of hurt. And so you just, you just got to make sure you, you stay fresh out there. And what's the feeling in the locker room? Because they did get one, which actually is a pretty good job by you guys, giving up only one. So they did get the game tied, but then you go in the locker room. And, and at that point, you guys had a 3 nothing lead in the game. And <clears throat> watching they come all the way back to tie it. Did, did you guys I, still I, have that confidence? I think that goal did even go off me, didn't it? No. Wasn't that that backdoor play? Uh, that was the that was the second goal. The the first one or the third one was Carl from the okay. circle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See. Yeah. We're testing you're there, here. You remember. You remember when you're out there and you should have done something different or whatever. But at that moment, there's nothing you can change about it. You know, whatever happened happened. But um, I don't think we ever fatigued or you know had a bad feeling about our game or anything in the locker room. You know, we were always positive. We always stuck together and. You know, especially in the playoffs, you know, good things are going to happen, bad things are going to happen, but, you know, always got to believe in yourself and, you know, just play as a team. And, you know, that's what we did. And, and you know, for, for the entire playoffs, and it all worked out at the end. Funny, too, because I talked to, uh, talked to a few of your teammates uh, Con or from that team, Connor Sherry, Matt Murray, and Brian Rust, who obviously you came up with, and Wilkes. And I was asking them about the just play mantra, which you just said right there from Mike Sullivan. And, uh, they said that it, obviously it became part of your team's slogan, but also they felt like a lot of times when Sully didn't know what to say, he'd just start yelling just play and walking around. <laughs> was that, that one of those so moments? True. That is so true, yeah. <laughs> Whenever we, you know, we, there was a game where we didn't have a good start or whatever, you know, that's just a what, like, at one point you just don't know what to say anymore as a coach. And, and Sully, he just, you know, he was – he got loud on the bench sometimes and um you know if he didn't know what to say or you know if we didn't listen or whatever he would just go all out and just you know yell it as loud as he could and we would all get it and it would kind of put a smile on your face and and get your your focus back but uh, you know it worked for for most of the time it seemed like you guys were a really tight group and a loose group too particularly going into that playoffs because penguins teams before that had kind of 
you know, it's, it seemed like they felt the pressure of having to win or needing to win. But then by the time that 15-16 team rolled around, especially going through the playoffs, it seems like you guys were just out there having fun and enjoying each other as a group. But I don't know if that was because you guys all kind of co-leased at the same time. Or for you young guys, you kind of came up together and were enjoying the ride together. What do you think it was that made you guys bond so well? Um, like you said, you know, whenever, you, whenever you're a young kid and you come into the NHL and you get to play in the playoffs with such a great team and such great players, you're just trying to enjoy every moment of it. But, you know, you got to know for yourself whenever there's time to have fun and whenever there's time for business. And I think, you know, the whole team, you know, everybody did a good job of reminding each other whenever someone was too high or too low or, you know, it was too much fun or whatever. But, you know, we just stuck together and, and everybody uh, had each other's backs. And you know, I think that's what made us uh, successful for those years. I think it's interesting when you look at your guys' perspective coming in and joining that group. But how much do you think that you're – I guess perspective, for lack of a better word, or your you know your enthusiasm as a younger group of guys coming into that room may have helped in that department. I know it's hard to comment when you weren't yeah. there before, but do you feel like guys kind of embraced the fact that there were this these younger kids coming in that you know maybe brought that energy with them? I don't know. I think you're asking the wrong guy at that point. For me, I was just <laughs> super excited to be on that team, be around those great players, and you know get the opportunity to play in the NHL. But. Um, that has to wear off on veterans, I feel like. like. That energy has to have a good impact, I would I think. think Matt Cullen would be the right uh, person to ask. I think, you know, he's he's experienced a lot. You know, he's he's done a lot throughout his entire career. So I think he would be the right person to ask to if, you know, we had a, we had an impact on that or not. Well, I think you kind of just answered it. You just said how excited you were to be there and how juiced you were. And I think that energy definitely was, was a huge factor. But like, speaking especially of for, yeah, especially for me, like you said, you know, when I played in the East Coast and, yeah. You're super close of just, you know, quitting and going back home to Europe somewhere and play there and, you know, working your way all the way up to the NHL and getting that, that call up, um, you know, which could end any any minute. It could send you back down. And, you know, the longer I stayed there, the more comfortable I felt. And, uh, you know, obviously playing in the playoffs, then it was just a, it was just a dream come true. And that, that whole year was just something I'll never forget for the rest of my life. We mentioned Matt Collin. I mean, he's, he's a guy that I know I've talked to you many times at, he helped you along the way, you know, giving you some of the finer points and just being that kind of veteran presence. What was the impact he had on, on your career, in, including that season, especially when you got up there as a young kid? Yeah, like I said, I mean, uh, playing with Cully and Fairzy, you know, those are two veteran guys. They've, like I just said, they've, they've been through so much. They've had thousands of NHL games, hundreds of playoff games. You know, they've, they've had ups and downs in their life, but in their careers. And, you know, whenever I came up there and, you know, you have good games, you have bad games. If you have a bad game, you doubt yourself, you know, you don't feel good about yourself, your confidence goes down and, and sort of things. But, you know, whenever I talk to Collier Affairs, those were the two guys, you know, that, that always, you know, supported you, always had good words for you, some wise words for you, and, and always picked you up. And, you know, playing with those guys just, just makes you feel super comfortable. You know, whenever you make a mistake, don't worry about it. Just go out the next shift and, and try your best again. So I think those two guys obviously had a, had a really bad impact. And looking into that uh, Tampa series, you talked about the guys you came up with. I mean, one of your best buds on the team was Brian Rust. Uh, he was going to end up being the, uh, the big hero in game seven with the two goals. I mean, you go from Wilkes-Barre's grand at the beginning of the year, and now this guy, one of your best friends, is scoring two huge goals, maybe becoming a Pittsburgh icon, honestly, and a, a hero in one instance. No, one, no one's ever going to forget those two goals. Trust me. The, the one was like from behind the goal line, kind of banked it off him and in. The other one was a pretty good shot. I give him that. Yeah. I, actually, I still, to this day, don't know how the second one went in. 
I mean, I know where he's at, and I see him hit the puck, and then I see the puck in the net. I still don't know where the hole is. Like, I've watched a thousand replays. It, I think it went through the like it had to like just absorb through him somehow, Vasilevsky. Somehow, but I don't think anybody cared or cares how that went. <laughs> That's true. But how happy were you to see uh, one of your one of your buddies have a huge game like that and a huge impact on the team? Oh, it was it was incredible. I mean, he was he was the guy who uh, drove me to Pittsburgh actually when I got the call up. I drove with him, and uh, you know, spending a lot of time at the hotel with him. Obviously, get to know him pretty well. And uh, that game, we had actually uh, quite some money on the board for the game winner. So after he got it, he he took all us all of us out for dinner. So that was uh, that was pretty nice. It's a real man of the people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That series also too, though Cooney. That was the first time you guys faced elimination, having to go into Tampa game six and then back and win game seven. Obviously, your confidence is sky high getting to the Stanley Cup final and everything that comes out with the excitement. But I assume it was even higher given the fact that you had really faced your first dose of okay, this could be the end for us right here, and we go into another building and win. Going into Tampa, facing elimination, first couple minutes into the game, they scored. And then we challenged, right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. And it stands for, for offside, I think. I think it was offside. It was yeah. offside, yeah. Drew in. You have you have no idea like the energy kind of like obviously went down you know going into Tampa facing elimination getting scored on early you know you kind of your heart kind of drops, but whenever we challenged it and the goal didn't count I feel like you know my energy just you know went up everybody felt great you know this was this was our break you know pick it up boys you know this is this is something we needed, and after that I don't think I don't think anybody had any doubt that you know we had a if we played our way and if we just play we have a, we have a pretty good chance of coming back and winning that series. Well, it's funny you say that because I remember watching the uh, the video of Sullivan on the bench while they were reviewing, and he kept walking up and down the bench, and I kept saying, good or bad, just play, good or bad, just play. <laughs> but you got to think, like, when they say no goal, you're like, it has to be a huge boost. And I remember the crowd was just unbelievably loud. Oh, it's just uh, no idea. Oh, like, it's it no started when they scored two minutes in, and then it was just, the roof was blowing off. Yeah. They, when they said no goal, just like completely. Kind of drained, kind of drained the energy yeah. of the building. It, it was, was, I've, never, I've never seen a huge momentum swing like that before. No, that was incredible. I don't, I don't think how we would have reacted, you know, if they would have scored that first and they would have counted. You know, they would have been on their toes. You know, they would have felt great about themselves. We would have kind of been in a little hole we had to dig ourselves out of. But, you know, after that, like I said, everybody felt great. You know, that's a break we needed. Now we can just play, play our game. You know, we had a game plan we wanted to stick to. and you know worked out at the end though and then what were you thinking going into uh the stanley cup final i mean did you did you actually pinch yourself before game one was there a moment where you're like wow this is this is real we're really here yeah i mean first of all when you win that series against tampa it's just you know you have goosebumps you know after that game everybody had at least me i had goosebumps you know this was something i would have never dreamed of you know being part of and then after that when when you know you're going to stanley cup finals which is something you you, know, you only play on Xbox or PlayStation or, you know, as against a friend, you play for the cup. And, you know, being part of that, it was just, it was, like I said, surreal. It's just something you, you couldn't really believe uh, until you were there and, and the, the anthem were, was on for, for game one. You were a part of that, too. You played in every single playoff game for the Penguins that year. So you were a big piece of the puzzle as far as the game-to-game -game situation for the Pens. Yeah. But going into game one, I mean, I'm sure Sam would say the same from watching up top, 
it was immediate and apparent how much faster you guys were than San Jose and how much more speed you had to your game. Uh, a lot of that goes with credit to you guys with how you took the approach of just having to put on the gas pedal right off the hop, really doing a feeling out process. But how much did that Tampa series help with that? You played a team that also played quick, had the quick transition to, to be able to just roll right back in. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if you, if you look at that Tampa team from there, from back then, you know, they had obviously a lot of skill, they had a lot of speed. They had a team that was, you know, probably one of the best teams in the league at that point. And, you know, when you know you're facing elimination and you, you beat them after seven games, you know, that just gives you such a big confidence boost that, that you know, you think to yourself, you know, we can beat everyone now. You know, we made it this far, you know, we just keep playing that same way, you know, roll four lines, everybody get those feet moving, make smart plays with the puck. You know, we, we knew we can, we can beat anyone. I think it, there's a couple of things that really stood out to me too, particularly in like games one and games two. Um, one was a play that you're probably not going to remember, but uh, there was a loose puck in the lower circle, and you and Brett Burns were actually going after it, and you beat him in the foot race and got a shot off, and then Martin Jones got knocked into his own player, and Matt Collin had a great chance. I, was, I remember watching that, and I was thinking, like, man, even the Penguins' fourth line, the speed is way superior to the Sharks. And then that game, too, I remember you guys had a shift with, like, 30 seconds left where the fourth line was on the ice, and... I'm thinking, all right, this is game two of the Stanley Cup final, a tie game. There's less than a minute left. And this shows the trust that Mike Sullivan has in his fourth line because a lot of coaches talk, they want to roll four lines, they want to roll four lines. But Mike Sullivan actually did roll four lines. I mean, you guys were out there yeah. with a regular shift, your regular basis, and he had that trust in you. What, what did it mean for you guys to know that the coaching staff believed in you and that they would put you out there in any situation, any circumstance, they had no qualms about doing so? Yeah, I mean, if you look at – you look at the entire playoffs that year you know we from the first game first shift you know he he rolled four lines and you know it didn't really matter who was out there um you know he put he rolled four lines he trusted each player it didn't matter if it was four on four five on five you know penalty kill whatever it was you know whenever you have that that confidence and and trust and from your coach you just want to go out there and you know pay him back in any way possible you know if it's having a 30-second offensive zone shift, if it's two great wall plays, getting the puck out, you know, whatever, whatever it is, if it's a blocked shot, drawing a penalty, you know, you just you just want to do whatever you can to to pay the coach back that, that the trust he, he has in you and whenever you're out there. Like I said, like you said, we just want to do our best in every shift. I know the atmosphere in Pittsburgh was awesome in those first two games, but what do you remember about the Shark Tank going in there and everything you'd heard about it maybe in the lead-up to it and then playing games three and four in there and the uh, atmosphere and everything that came with that? If I'm not mistaken, I think I was sitting next to Rusty on the bench or Shears, and I was talking to him and he didn't even like acknowledge me because he just couldn't hear me. It was just like so loud. Like, you, couldn't, you couldn't hear your own words. Like, the building was just... The roof was about to fall off, you know, Stanley Cup finals, you know, everybody was in it. They knew they had to bring their A game, you know, to to win those two games. And, you know, the like I said, the atmosphere in the playoffs is just, you know, a whole nother story if you compare that to a regular season. Well, speaking of atmosphere, I remember game five. Were you one of the guys that got late getting to the game because of how big the crowd was outside? I know a couple of guys had trouble just getting into PBG Paints Arena because there were 20,000 people outside and they had to shut down the streets and there were a lot of issues. Do you remember uh, the crowd from that game? I, I do remember the crowd. I'm pretty sure that me and Rusty drove together and we just made it there because we usually have a meeting an hour and a half before the game. 
So we got there like an hour and 40 before the meeting. <laughs> but we usually play like 20 to 30 minutes of soccer before. And that was our like routine, right? Like our ritual. We always right. needed, needed to do it. You guys were the first two out there too. So we kind of, we just got changed as quick as possible. We played like one game just to make sure we played before the meeting. And then went straight into the meeting. We didn't have a whole lot of time because it took us forever to make it to the rink. So maybe that's why we didn't win game four is because you guys, your thing was all thrown off. <laughs> There's always a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> because you, cause you and Rusty were the one, always the first two out there with the soccer ball. I remember that. Like You guys yeah. were always at the same time, every time. From my first call up when, when we were in Montreal, I think that's how it all started. We were the first guys out there playing soccer ball way before the meeting. And then, you know, guys started joining. And I think that's how it, that's how it all started. So with all those fans and with all that anticipation and everything in game five, where does that rank in uh, biggest buzz kills uh, as far as, you know, just, just the, I, I, know, I know in hearing guys talk about it, it was just like some of the biggest regrets of not being able to get it done that night. You have no idea. It's just, I think we didn't have the greatest start, yeah. right? We were like down early, Burns scored early. I don't know. It's just, I think everybody was, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It was just a, a buzzkill for everyone. Everyone you know, obviously wanted to win at his home like so bad. And then losing that game, knowing you have to go all the way back to San Jose for game six on the road. You know, I don't think anybody wanted to do it. And then when you lose that game, you know, you kind of, you kind of sag a little bit, but um, yeah, you have no idea how, how bad everyone felt losing that game. We, it would have been incredible winning, winning the cup at home that year. I know you can only speak for yourself, but I feel like a lot of the guys kind of admitted maybe after the fact that they felt a little bit of pressure, maybe for the first time in all the playoffs, like it was the first time they felt a little bit of pressure to actually get a win. Like, for, as we said, ironically and funnily, just play. But I think yeah. for the first time, they're in the back of your mind, you kind of realize what was kind of at stake and what was on the table and what could happen. I think a couple of guys admitted to me that they felt a little tense, particularly in that first period. I don't know how you felt, but. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think we were down like three in the first, you know, and then and you kind of have that feeling in the back of your head that if you lose this one, it's three, two. You have to go back to San Jose where they feel comfortable, where they have, you know, home ice, the crowd and everything. If you lose that game, you have to come back home again for game seven, facing a team that just beat you back to back. You know, that's just that's just something you don't want to happen at all. And then obviously that game just... I don't even want to talk about it. It's just like, <laughs> you know, uh, we can yeah, like you said, it would have been, it would have been incredible to, to win the cup at home. I guess the one bonus about that game, and we can end with that, this thought on that game is that you really, I mean, if not for Martin Jones in the last, what, 50 minutes of the game, you might've won on home ice because he really stood on his head in that game. How much of what you guys were able to do as far as dictate the pace and the attack did you want to take with you in the game six? on that cross country, knowing that, you know, Martin Jones is playing really well. Oh yeah. He's beatable. Yeah. I mean, we, we found that out the first couple of games and, you know, Sally always said, you know, the more pucks you put on net, the more chance you're going to create, you know, they're going to get bad bounces, good bounces. They're going to create rebounds. And we were a fast team. We knew if, you know, we put pucks to the net, we have that middle lane drive and get guys to the net, you know, we might beat a D man, you know, for that rebound or whatever. And um, we obviously, we had, you know, we had Sid and Gino and Phil and Tanger and, those guys, they can always make something out of nothing as well. You know, they're so skilled and so talented players. Um, yeah, but for us, you know, we just wanted to keep the game as simple as possible and, you know, throw pucks on that because, you know, we can't stop them all. 
Well, it sounds like you had the right mentality going into game six. You're already thinking about game seven <laughs> and not wanting to uh, get there. So it sounds like you really had, you know, you really wanted to end it in game six. So the tank scores in the second period put you guys up two to one. How long was that third period? How long did that 20 minutes feel? Um, it felt like literally two hours. Because <laughs> everybody had like, you know, 20 second shifts. Like just as hard as you could, as intense as it was, you know, super physical. But you just were, you were exhausted after 20, 30 seconds. You know, usually you can have like a 40, 45 second shift. No one was. Everyone was on and off so quick. You know, we kept rolling, kept rolling. Until that last TV timeout where, you know, I, I didn't play that much, which was, I was totally fine with. I, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, you just didn't want to screw up whenever you were out there because, you know. But at the same time, you can't really think about that, make a mistake because that's when mistakes happen. But, uh, you know, that, that third period was, it took forever. It was the longest period of my life so far. Yet amazingly, when you look back on it, at least watching that period, San Jose is playing for their playoff lives. They're as desperate as desperate can be, and they get two shots on goal. I mean, it, it, you guys felt like you were in the offensive zone for most of that time. I'm sure it felt like an eternity. But San Jose only got two shots on goal. So it was, it was a pretty impressive uh, feast by you guys. What, what, do you remember? Uh, no. No? <laughs> <laughs> two shots. Two shots, yeah, just two shots. They only had two shots, and their entire season was on the line in the third period. No way. Of course, the, uh, the empty netter seals it. So at that point, there's still a minute left. Do you exhale, or are you like, all right, we got this? Or are you like, oh, man, there's still a minute to go, even though it's two goals? I, I think for, for me personally, it was like a little bit of both. You know, you're so excited that, you know, we just score, but at the same time, you're like, this is not over. Like, you know, <laughs> you can't get too excited because if they score, you're going you're gonna to start biting your nails, you know? You just got to wait until the game is over, until you can throw those gloves in the air and huck your stick as far as you can and just, you know, just scream as loud as you want. Who was, uh, when, when the game first ended, who was the, do you remember who the first guy was that you, uh, you, you celebrated with? Just the dog pile of Don Murray? Who'd you grab? I, I, I could not tell you. I honestly have no <laughs> clue. I think before we even got on the ice, I grabbed Rusty and I just started yelling at him because he was sitting next to me. And then after that, <laughs> Next thing I remember is everybody was just on top of her. Like it's just, I honestly, I could not tell you who I jumped on and who I hugged. It was just like pure excitement. I, I want to ask you this because we talked to some of the, um, the guys who won in Game 7 back in 2009. And interestingly enough, they talked about when the buzzer hit, they had this huge celebration. Obviously, there's so many emotions going on. And they celebrate, and then that kind of winds down. And then they're kind of like, okay, it's over. Then they bring the cup out, and it's like, Almost like a second wave of, oh, my God, this is real. Like, the excitement just joices again. Is that kind of how it felt for you, too, when they brought the cup out? Yeah, I agree, because the, the time be, between when you celebrate as a crowd, as a, as, a, as a group, and then, you know, you, it takes a while until, you know, you do the handshake and all that, and then the families kind of start to come in on the ice, and, you know, you just hug each other, and everyone you know, and, you know, just pure excitement, and everyone can't believe it, and, but there's like a big time time frame between you know when you first get that excitement that the season's over and you won it until you finally get the cup. This feels like it's forever. And a couple of things because I thought it was really cool because as they obviously Crosby takes the cup and then passes the daily and kind of goes on down the line. But while that was kind of going on, you Rusty Murray uh, Scott Wilson Ports, I think a couple of you guys kind of like hung back as own your own little group. 
you know, until it was like your turn. You, you were kind of like the young guys, like waiting your turn, like kids in the schoolyard just waiting to get your chance. Yeah. Um, but but you had to have some crazy thoughts going through your mind when you're in that small group that began the year in northeastern Pennsylvania and end the year by raising the Stanley Cup. Do you, do you recall that? And also, who do you remember who gave you the cup and who you passed it to? Pooley? Who was it? Pooley? Oh, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I think I th- either I passed it to him or he gave it. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, like you said, we were kind of just waiting there for, you know, for someone to give it to us. And then it was kind of going through all of us young guys. <laughs> but we didn't want to like seem too excited and like sprint for be like one of the first ones to grab. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we were kind of like shy in the back, in the background, just, you know, waiting for someone to grab it. And then as soon as one of us had it, we all had it within a minute. <laughs> Was it, and then getting, what was it like being with your family obviously you know everyone coming on the ice and joining you for that moment yeah the, the best part was that my my parents could actually make it and and you know fly from germany to pittsburgh where they were there for game five but we decided no nope, let's fly <laughs> to san jose one more time and then my parents were were able to fly to san jose and, and were there when when we won it and the feeling, you know, taking that picture and raising it with your family, it was just like the picture is everywhere. Like, there's a, literally the pictures next to me. Hold it's up, just, see it. let's see the picture. Like, <laughs> nice, oh, big Eric. Like, it's it's literally next to me. It's in my house in New York. It's you know everywhere. My sister has it at home. It's just you know wherever I go, I have that memory. But something I'll never forget ever. How proud was your dad of you in that moment? Yeah, he was he was pretty proud. I mean, obviously, um, a year after he was even more proud when we somehow did it again. <laughs> but um, you know, obviously, my my dad was a tremendous player as well, and uh, there's a lot of things I I learned over the years from my dad, and uh, you know, I'm just proud to have him as a father. He must have been extra proud when he got to bring the cup to Germany. Uh, I know you guys had a good time back there. What was that experience like when you got your day with the cup, celebrating with family and friends back? Um, that first year when we won it, um, we did a lot of like public things, you know, we had like uh, a stage where, you know, you could take a picture with it and autographs and all, all those, those kind of things. And, um, uh, I took, uh, pictures with all of my hockey teams from my hometown, you know, like from under five, so nice. all those like age groups and, you know, with all the coaches and everything. And, uh, and then I went to uh, a couple of dealerships and took uh, a couple of pictures there. It was it was great, but you know it was just like such a long day where I had a lot of things uh, planned for public that I didn't really have a lot of time to spend with my family and friends, which was obviously a little sad. But then the year after that, when I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to bring it back to Germany again, um, I didn't do a whole lot of public things. It was more like private with my family and friends, and we had a we had a great great little party that day. So it was had to be nice. Then I know the first time you didn't get to spend as much time with your family, but to share with an entire country. I mean, how many people get to share this experience with you know an entire country, really? And I feel like the entire country is behind you on that. I think I think they even were because I think it was the first time the cup was um, in Germany, like in public, where you could take a picture with it and those kind of things. So people from all over Germany, all over, you know, Austria, Switzerland, Czech Republic, like all those countries, they, they came and wanted a picture and, you know, it was, uh, it was incredible. Well, it's been incredible getting to hear the stories from you, Tom. Thanks so much for taking the time. We, we definitely hope you're doing well, family's doing well back out there. And 
Uh, we wish you well, except for the next time you play against the Penguins on the ice. So we we'll kind of can leave it at that, if that's okay with you. That was great. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. For, we really appreciate it, Cooney. No problem at all. All right, there he is, Tom Kunakel, 2016 Stanley Cup champion and 2017 Stanley Cup champion with the Pittsburgh Penguins, kind enough to take some time with us to go down memory lane. I want to take a moment also thank Kimber Auerbach from the New York Islanders PR department for setting up this interview with Tom for us. Much appreciated, and we enjoyed the conversation. For Sam Kassan and Tom Kunakel, I'm Josh Getzow. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to the Scoop Rewind, brought to you by PPG. We'll catch you next time.